0: We are continuing with our series ask me anything. Let's start with a couple of readings from the word of the lord. 2nd Peter 2 starting in verse 4. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell. In gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment, so God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen. To ungodly people. So you see, Peter says, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of judgment. And then Peter continues in chapter 3, starting in verse 3, "'You must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires.'" They will say, where is this coming or this judgment? Where is this coming, he promised? Ever ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, this is our third week in our Ask Me Anything series, and we are bringing some of people's toughest questions about God. We're bringing them to God. We're bringing those to the Word of God and seeking answers there. And one question that people are asking a lot today is a question, is hell real? Or maybe they're asking you, how can you believe that? How can you believe that hell is real? And I really want to key in on that question, not a question about what is hell like. That's an interesting question, but I will tell you, for 2,000 years, all Christian thinkers have agreed that it's really, really bad. They may disagree on the particulars or the nuances, but everyone agrees it's bad. You don't want to end up there. Or the question also that some ask about the duration. So is hell really eternal conscious torment, or is it something else? That's an interesting question as well. Um, now, the traditional view, I'll just say a bit about it before we get into the real question, does hell exist? But on this one, the traditional view, of course, is yes, that for millions of, and millions of years, For an eternal future, those who reject God will experience uh, pain and misery. There is a different view, uh, one that holds that hell is a place of destruction. You may have heard that in the words of a couple of those texts I read, but a place where the evil will be destroyed, not tortured forever and ever. And uh, so on, the, on this duration question, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. There are some texts that you will, if you read them in isolation in the Bible, you think that's pointing one way. If you read others, you'll think it's pointing a different way. Um, but let's get on to this question. Is hell real? Does this place exist I mean, whatever your view on the duration, whatever your view on what it's going to be like, it's not a place anybody would want to end up, according to the Bible. So again, the question, is it real? Now, we're talking about hell this morning because we are Christ's church. And Christ is the one that talked so much, warned so much, preached so much about hell. So write this down on your outline this morning. In the Bible, one person spoke more about hell than any other, Jesus. In the Bible, one person spoke more, far more about hell than any other, and that is Jesus. He actually had more to say about hell than he did to say about heaven in the Gospels. And if Christ has a lot to say about hell, then Christ's church should have something to say as well. Jesus believed in hell. He talked about it a lot, uh, but it also raises this question, why? Um, Why would the Son of God, who was known for a message of love, why would this Son of God talk so much about hell? And so this is on your outline this morning, just a couple of ideas to kind of frame things this morning. Jesus preached often about hell, and there are a couple of of reasons for this. Jesus preached so often about hell because, number one, he doesn't want anyone to end up there. Like Noah, he's warning. He's pleading. He doesn't want anyone to end up there. And the second reason, I think, is that Jesus knows we are going to try not to think about it. Okay? Okay. We're going to try not to think about it. Now, Jesus, he loves you. He loves people. And he shared compelling, perhaps even chilling teaching about hell because he wants people to choose a different final destination. Um, he wants you, he wants everyone to experience salvation. And Jesus knows better than anyone the price that was paid so that all people could escape the fires of hell and could live with God in heaven forever. And look, if we're honest, I think it's true. We don't like thinking about it. I mean, when's the last time you went to Starbucks with a friend to talk about eternal damnation? I bet, I bet that doesn't happen very often for you, that you sit around and consider that. Uh, Jesus knows we don't like thinking about it, and he knows we need to, and so he brings it up. And essentially, both of these reasons that Jesus taught about hell are motivated by one thing, and that's the love that he has for people. He desperately cares about people and does not want people to be destroyed in hell. So, for these reasons, Jesus routinely proclaimed things like, and this is from Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Do not fear, Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. But Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus has authority on heaven and earth, so... Why is hell necessary? Why doesn't he just send everyone to heaven? And there are really four, I think, compelling reasons this is true. There are four reasons biblically that hell is absolutely necessary. And first, it exists because of the perfections of heaven. This is on your outline. It exists because of the perfection of heaven. Heaven's perfection demands it. And I want you to think about this this morning. What level of sin could God permit to enter heaven? What sin level would be okay? Uh, 10% of sin can make it into heaven? 1% of sin can make it to heaven? 0.0001% can make it to heaven? And you can see where this is going. God is holy, righteous, perfect. Heaven, the domain of God, is a place of perfection and holiness. So the answer has to be zero. Zero sin can be admitted to heaven. No sin can be tolerated in heaven. if you're an olympic athlete you get tested right for performance enhancing drugs if the results show that you have been doping even a little bit trace amounts of banned substances in your blood then you are disqualified just ask the russian winter olympics team right the standard for passing The test is 0% banned substances in your blood. How about uh, getting a blood donation? The blood banks have to be certain, right? That the blood is untainted, that it is 100% pure. I mean, it's not like you can say, well, I want to give blood and, I mean, my blood is mostly HIV-free. And there's a little bit. It's 90% HIV-free. I mean, the standard has to be absolute purity, zero tolerance. Heaven's perfection demands the same. Really, heaven's perfection demands the same. Sin can't be overlooked. It's not enough to be in the 90th percentile of righteous people, that's not enough. God's perfection, heaven's perfection absolutely requires a 100% ban on sin. It requires that the contagion of sin be banished to another realm. Heaven's perfection demands the existence of hell. The second reason is that justice demands it. Justice demands it. I mean, we all have this basic sense of right and wrong. I mean, there are nuances and differences between individuals and between cultures, but we have this notion that wrong things should be punished, that evil should be judged. Those who molest and debase children, those who... Batter their spouses, who beat their spouses, those who, politicians in third world countries who take foreign aid for their impoverished populations and take it and line their pockets with it, those scam artists who prey on senior citizens. Our innate, I believe, God given sense of justice, of right and wrong, it requires that evil be punished. Or, and this is the thing if we have these standards let me ask you a question if we believe this why on earth would we think God would have lower standards than us he's going to be okay with evil not getting punished God is a wise and good judge he doesn't make mistakes evil will be punished hell guarantees that now human dignity demands it as well the existence of hell write that down human dignity demands it this is affirmed over and over in the teaching of jesus he tells us that the decisions and the choices that we make here now they have meaning they have consequences they count He honors our choices he honors our decisions what we choose to do or not do that has meaning okay Um, that's why really virtually every religion not just Christianity virtually every religion in the world has this idea of an existence beyond this one where people reap what they sowed in this life otherwise this life eh, has no meaning Matthew 25, Jesus told a parable. One of many times he taught about this, about decisions we make here, what to do with our time, our treasure, our talents, how that will be rewarded or punished depending on how we do with that. And if there is no answering for what we do in this life, then what we do here has no importance. The Bible and our own conscious, consciences tell us otherwise. And Jesus tells us otherwise. And finally, hell exists because God's love demands it. Hell exists because God's love demands it. I know, I know. Many people are going to say, wait, wait whoa, this is incomprehensible that a God of love could send anyone to hell. But we have to come to terms with this, right? Right? I mean, God's love demands the necessity of hell. If we just think about it for a second, we get it. It has to be. So God loves us. God loves us more than we can imagine, more than anyone else. And love, true love, it wants the other to love back, right? But it always requires that the other has the freedom not to love back. If it's real love. If it's real love, it allows the freedom to be rejected. The guy, any guy really, who's ever chased a girl knows that you can't force someone to love you back. Love simply does not obligate that the other person love back. Love never demands that which is not freely given. If you truly love, then you can desire someone. You can seek their affection. You can do everything in your power to woo them, to win them, to serve them, to sacrifice for them. You can do all of that. But the one thing you cannot do if you love them is make them love you back. If a person goes to hell, ultimately, it is because God is honoring their choice. Their choice to turn away from him and to turn away from his love. Peter Kreeft, who is a Christian philosopher at Boston College, wrote this, Those who do not wish to love God must be allowed not to love Him. Those who do not want to be with God must be allowed to be separated from Him. And so people who go to hell have chosen to live apart from God's love and ultimately and finally God has said, okay, okay, I'll honor your choice. Now, the core message that Jesus preached we know as the good news, as the gospel. It means that for some hell will bring dread and destruction yes but for believers the idea of hell actually leads to rejoicing because it reveals to us the amazing incredible historical breathtaking scale of the rescue that we have received that we have experienced Jesus The Son of God died on the cross for us on our behalf because he loves us. And anyone who believes on his name will be saved. Our sins were punished and forgiven once and for all at Calvary. And through his sacrifice... We are considered holy, sinless, and pure. His righteousness has been credited to us. And through his resurrection from death to life, we are guaranteed, guaranteed that the grave will not get the last laugh. That we will be resurrected And we will spend eternity in heaven with our Lord. And here's how I put it on the outline this morning. The good news. Write this down. On the cross, Jesus went through hell so I don't have to. Because of his resurrection, those who repent and trust in him will experience eternal life in heaven. That's the good news. I'll let Jesus put it in his own words. John chapter 3, very familiar passage, John three sixteen. We want to go with that and a little further. Listen to all Jesus said here, okay? Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his world, his son, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus has given me a reason to celebrate, a reason to worship, a reason to jump for joy, to shout. He loves me. He rescued me. By his stripes, I am healed. And, and so I worship. And also, I'm motivated by this to share the good news. He doesn't want anyone to miss out on heaven. I don't want anyone to miss out on heaven, and so I look for opportunities to share the good news. Now, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, he's calling you to do that. He's done everything. Think about it. He's done everything he possibly could to win you over, to show you, how much he treasures you and loves you. And you can today repent. You can call on his name, trust in him. You can be baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection. And I want to say one more thing this morning about hell. We hear sometimes people use expressions like, uh, this is hell on earth, or I just went through a living hell. Things that they use to talk about situations in this world that is complete baloney, okay? Heaven is a pl- or hell rather, is a place God is not. We get to experience glimpses of God, experiences of God here in this world. The Bible says that God causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good. He causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Everyone gets some tastes of, God, of what God is like here in hell. Zero. He is absent. Everything good, everything pure, everything your heart desires, you're not going to find it in hell. Now, this is certainly not the world as God intends for it to be. Praise God for that. There is injustice here. There is unfairness here. There is evil here in this world. Jesus called Satan the prince of the air, the prince of this world. But here on earth, we also do experience some of God. And Jesus died for you. He wants for you to spend your life living with him, and for him. And then he looks forward to spending an eternity with you in heaven. You heard in the opening scripture readings this morning about the reality of judgment, the reality of condemnation, the reality that there will be a final bang of the gavel what you choose to do with jesus will be locked in at some point point. and as peter told us some think this is crazy world has been spinning for thousands or depending on your take millions or billions of years and this has never happened so it's not going to and peter said ah careful with that all that proves peter says is that god is extremely patient But don't mistake his patience for the false notion that that day will never come. Maybe this morning you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe this morning you just need prayers. We would invite you to respond to the Lord however you need to as we stand together in worship.